Um, lesson two, I, I, I totally baffled and confused and shot over everyone's head last Wednesday, so I want to bring it back down to something super relevant, and I felt like it was important to be able to at least get some concepts out there to you, and if you missed lesson number one, you can pick it up, I believe, by CD, and they may even be posted on iTunes, I don't know for certain, uh, but let me just say this, if you didn't get it, you're not behind, all right, so, but it's just my personal issues that I feel like I have to clear up potential confusions that aren't even out there, so, um, so we're, 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 we're dealing tonight with signs, though, signs of the times. Now, you understand there's two, let, let me just share a couple quick things. There's two kinds, there's two kinds, when I talk about pr- the prophetic, there are two things that could, that could potentially mean. There's one aspect of the prophetic, which is what we're studying right now, which is like end times and prophetic scripture and what all's going to happen in the latter days, and, and that's considered to be prophetic. But there's a second aspect to prophecy, which you'll hear me mention, which is the now voice of the Lord. That's prophetic as well. God can speak in a prophetic tense, or he can speak his heart to us. And sometimes that happens by somebody prophesying. Sometimes it comes through teaching or instruction. But, but, so there are two aspects to uh, the prophetic. We are zeroing in on these Wednesday nights, though, to the end times, talking about last days and that aspect of, of the prophetic. As you'll recall, last week I had my, my board here that I told I just am too messy with. But, but we're going to be dealing with, um, and this line here is, uh, we'll just call this life after the cross, okay? This is, this is history, this is life after the cross. And there's going to be a moment, I believe, uh, as, as we're going along, that the saints are going to be what is commonly referred to as rapture. They're going to be caught away. 1 Thessalonians 4, you can read that, beginning in about verse 18, where it talks about that the the trump of God will sound and uh, that uh, those who are asleep will arise first and then we which are alive and remain will be caught up in the air to meet the Lord in the air. And and rapture comes from the Greek word. Well, it's it's actually a Latin word, but uh, it originates from the Greek word Harpazo, which means catching away, harpazo. And I personally do believe that there's going to be a catching away. Now, through the years, as I've studied this, and those of you that have been with me now for a number of years, know, Pastor, you kind of put that thing all over uh, as far as its timing. Well, I'm going to teach it this way because I, I think I'm putting some pieces together that are really helpful to me, and hopefully they'll be helpful to you. But when this rapture occurs, and it can occur at any moment, any time, before we're out of here tonight, it could take place. Jesus, Jesus could call us away. It can happen just like that. And, yeah, wow, was that a wow I heard? Yeah, that, that could happen. But what happens, according to Scripture, is that there's a seven-year time period that'll begin. And in that seven-year time period, uh, there will be tribulation. Some of it will be tribulation, some of it will be great tribulation. And, and we will get to another lesson and talk about exactly what those events will be in that seven-year time period. But what will conclude that seven-year time period is what will be called the second coming. Now, this is where I think people get really messed up. Because when they hear folks talk about the second coming of the Lord, what they, get, they get these two events mixed up. They hear the coming of the Lord, and, and a lot of people's minds go to the rapture as the coming of the Lord. And other people, because they've studied it and they, they, they understand all the precision and distinctions that are being made, they may go to the end of this time period. There will actually be uh, these two events. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more of how all this happens, so, so I know if I leave you with a little confusion, still, uh, it, it'll get cleared up eventually. But the Greek word for this, which is important because that's what distinguishes these events, is the word parousia. It is the word which means coming. The coming of the Lord, parousia. So, so if you, if you, wouldn't it be great if we all knew Greek? So you could just use the term harpazo and parousia, and that would distinguish those two events. But as it turns out, we just throw around some terms, and oftentimes we get very, very confused. So rapture, at this point in your mind, you can say rapture is a secret coming. It's when God calls the church out of the world, and it will institute that seven-year time period known as the tribulation, 
that will consummate or that will finish with the second coming of the Lord. Here, Jesus never touches the earth. Here, he comes and he touches the earth. Here, he calls his saints away and he deals with them in several forms and fashion during this seven-year time period. But as here, he comes back to the earth and he deals with issues on the earth. And again, the 1,000 years begins after that. And so keep that in mind because it's a very important concept as we come to what we want to talk about tonight, and that's the signs of the times. Now, I'm going to just read several passages of Scripture, and at this point, I don't want you to get confused as to where these things are going to be pinpointed at. I'm going to read some passages out of Matthew chapter 24, and I'll be candid with you for years. Whenever I read out of Matthew 24, I was a little bit confused as to how things fit. Because there are certain passages in Matthew 24 that sound as if it's talking about the rapture. When in reality, it's talking about his second coming. There are several verses that appear to be talking about signs that will be in the earth before. In other words, it's, it's like in this time period. These, you know, it's like this sign period. And yet in truth, some of Matthew 24 deals with signs that are taking place in the seven year time period. And that can become very, very confusing as you're trying to put all this together. And I'm telling you, I've read it a lot, and it sometimes can still get me all confused. So we're, we're going to piece these things together as best we know how. And can I just say this? There have been people, and I told you last week that Tracy's dad, he loves to study this stuff. I mean, he knows, I mean, really, if we could wheel him down here, I would have just let him teach it if that were possible. Because, I mean, he knows this stuff backwards and forwards. And I will fully admit that he probably knows it a whole lot better than probably I know it. But this is the point I'm wanting to make. Good people, godly people, Christian people can have a difference of opinion in some of these areas. We're going to be talking about what's happening in this time period eventually, and you're going to hear some things from me that I, I believe the Scripture is speaking, and you're going to say, I've never heard that before. I, I, I believe it this way. And you know what? That's okay. Because there's some mystery involved in this. That's why Paul said, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And, and, and so you read all of that, and you say, Well, tell me what it means. Paul said it's a mystery. All right? So we're going to live... With a little mystery. If you can't live with mystery, oh boy, this is going to be a frustrating 10 weeks. So you just be frustrated on your own, okay? Don't, don't, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm willing to live with a little mystery, all right? So the signs of the times. And um, let me just say, I'm not going to read through the introduction, but I want to land somewhere between the conspiracy theory and the sticking our head in the sand. But having said that, you would have to be absolutely out to lunch to not see that things are happening in our culture, in our own nation, at unprecedented pace and speed that has to indicate to me that we are, that we are, we are reaching the breaking point. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, Pastor, what do you think about the United States? Where does the United States play in all of this end time stuff? And this is my view of it. I don't think we're a player in it. I look, I read the Revelation and I read Matthew 24 and I don't see anything that I can even remotely pull out that indicates that's the United States of America. I can see Israel, I can see Russia, I can. I can see Muslim nations, I can see the European Commonwealth, I can see all sorts of things re relatively easily, but I, you have to work very, very hard if you're going to pull the United States of America in, in last times. Now let me share with you why I believe we're not a player. I believe... That when the focal point boils down to the Middle East and it boils down to Israel, little Israel is going to have to stand all alone. America will not be in the position to be able to intervene for what's going on in the nation of Israel. Now, we've been a friend with Israel ever since it became a nation in 1948. It was a miracle. Some of you don't know how much of a miracle it was for Harry Truman to declare Israel to be a nation in 1948. There was incredible discussion that went on in the White House. And against all advice to him, and he did not naturally have a propensity to do this, but he, against his advisors, went ahead and recognized Israel as a nation in 1948. And to be candid with you, that probably is when God set the time clock for the end of the age. The question is, you know, some people felt like a generation was 40 years, and so that's why you had that one dude 
talk about uh, the, you know, the 88 reasons Christ will come in 1988. Anybody ever remember getting that little book? I, that messed more churches up than I can... I, and then, of course, it didn't happen, and so he wrote the sequel, 89 Reasons Christ Will Come In. And you're laughing, but that's true. Which just goes to show you, you can't, you know, all the time nail down what the Bible calls as a mystery. So, I just don't believe the United States plays into it. I believe we become, probably through some form of economic recession, maybe collapse, David Wilkerson and other notable ministers have prophesied that the United States is, has yet to go through the difficult time that is out there. And, and so I, I personally believe we may be in a financial position that is so difficult as Americans, we can't afford to help Israel. We can't step into that battle. Even, even today as our president, and again, I'm, I'm not getting into politics because Republicans have been as inept as Democrats. So, you know, we have a Democratic administration and they're just going to have to receive some biblical critique at this point and when the republicans if they come back into power again i'll critique them just as quickly but i'll but i'll tell you this our president stood up today and said things with regards to israel that have never been said before and not in a good way basic basically um you know uh saying that he's going to you know back the palestinian claims and all of us know that Palestine is basically run by Hezbollah and Hamas. There are missiles out of Lebanon right now that are pointed at Israel, that if Israel tries to take out a nuclear uh, uh, place, whatever they call it, a site, that instantly missiles will be released from Lebanon in order uh, to hit them. I mean, they're in a precarious position. The only thing that keeps the whole Arab Muslim nations from converging in on Israel is because of the United States. If, we whoop, if somebody whoops on them, their fear is we'll step in and, and we'll become a part of the battle as well. But that threat is slowly diminishing. And, and so it's going to leave Israel hanging out there all by itself. And I know that's not good news for Israel, especially in the natural natural thinking but at the same time do you understand that that will that will position they'll have absolutely nowhere else that help can come from except yeah from the lord and he'll step in and it'll be it will be it'll be miraculous and incredible and and these are all the features of the end time scenario so americans who are used to playing center stage are not going to play center stage i don't believe on this one um you know i i believe we'll be one of the nations but not not one of the player nations. Now, I wrote down here a couple of things. We're going to move through this rapidly. I tried to, I, I tried to put, uh, 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 you know, references with regards to the first signs, and then when I get to the twelve fulfillments on the second page, I went ahead and put the references on each particular point. But there's a couple of things that are important when we talk about signs. The reason we study ourselves. Uh, concerning signs is it should motivate us to reach lost people with good news if you can begin to see that we're winding down if you can begin to see signs you can help people interpret events that are happening in your newspaper right now and on cable news and all the other media outlets you can help people interpret these happenings and you can literally bring them to a knowledge of jesus christ people people want answers as to what's going on, what are we going to do? How's this work? And they're really, they're really seeking. I believe the end time revival is going to be uh, somewhat predicated upon people saying, "What's going on?" And and we need answers. And the Church of Jesus Christ, you understand, we just don't run around pointing at everything, saying how bad it is, but we're the solution. We have the answers, and and so we study and understand these things in order to help bring people to the answer. Secondly, if if we're and this would be me, if we believe in a, a pre-tribulation rapture, hey, we, it ought to motivate us to leave an explanation behind. If you, don't, if, you don't, if you don't want to know the Lord, then let me just say this. If one of these days I don't show up at work, this is what's going on. And they'll sneer and they'll scoff, just like Peter said in Second Peter, that they'll scoff. But one of these days, they'll know. And, and so it leaves an explanation. 
And, and can I tell you this? I understand it to be true. I mean, I, I'm not just throwing things out. But do you understand that, they're, that they make, for instance, when Senator Kennedy died, you, you know when, when Senator Kennedy died, you know how quickly they got all that footage up on Senator Kennedy? I mean, just instantly. I mean, all of a sudden, they've got, they've got these incredible things running already on his life. Because years in advance, they begin putting things together in order that if that event happens... They're prepared instantly in order to do that. Do you know that there have been people who have left major news networks who have already said that they have put footage together for this event? Isn't that amazing? Just in case. It should, number three, if we are in a post-tribulation, if, if, in other words, if, if you're going to move this event somewhere else in the tribulation period, it should cause us to strategize our endurance plan. In other words, you know, there are going to be people that will be left during this time. There are going to be people that will have to navigate the seven-year time period. And it ought to help strategize an endurance plan. And, and indeed, you, you know, like I said, I'm, this is what I'm pulling for. How many of you know I, I'm pulling for a rapture? Hallelujah. Lord, that's what I'm pulling for. Now, having said that, I'm designing my life. Let me tell you, you need to design your life in such a way that if uh, somehow we got something a little bit off, you're prepared to run the race to the end. So, so I think that's a feature of it as well. Now, let's go to Matthew 24. And let me just go through this. And we'll ne we're never going to have enough time. It always leaves more interest and time than I have. But there are seven signs that Jesus left us to indicate the end. Seven signs, and I read to you Matthew 24, verse 3 last week. And if we can pick it up uh, about verse 5, uh, this is what he says. He says, For many will come in my name, saying, I'm the Christ, deceive many. You'll hear of wars, rumors of wars. Don't be troubled. All these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Seven, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famine, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginning of sorrows. Um, and then they'll deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you'll be hated by all nations. And uh, false prophets will arise. People will be offended. I put seven things. I, I probably could have written about 14 things on this one as well. But, but let me just give you several here. And in, in, in that passage of scripture, it's all written out there. In fact, I'm going to mention this at the end. That... That the signs, some of the signs that Jesus are mentioning here actually come in this time period. He's the sign because he said, I'm going to tell you the signs of my coming. Are you following me? That's the word parousia. So some of the signs that he's going to talk about are going to find their intensity in this seven year time period. But having said that, you understand that every that 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 signs just don't show up one day. That that there is a growing intensity of these signs that are taking place in the earth in other words the antichrist doesn't just show up one day and go i'm the antichrist no what happens is there are decades of grooming that takes place in order that when he shows up it's not any crazy deal following me jesus says labor pains you know, you just don't one day, you know, you don't get pregnant and give birth. I know you ladies would wish it worked this way, but it's not like, hey, I'm pregnant. And, you know, a week later, you know, there's the kid. But but you go through this pregnancy process, you go through labor. And as you go through labor, those of you that that, uh, you know, you're real, you know, wilderness women and you decided you were going to do your pregnancy and your delivery drug free. Which I understand there's a lot of women who only do that once. I don't, I just, that's, it's some, but anyway, I, you know, stati there's statistics that say a lot only do that once. But you know what happens. I mean, you get the twinges, it feels, it's kind of maybe a little uncomfortable until finally you get down to the end and you're ready to punch your husband out, man. That's how, and that's, and that's exactly how it's been working through the years. That as we move through the years, the signs that we begin to talk about and tell you about, they're growing in speed and they're growing in intensity. You know, people thought when 
when the Social Security number came out. I'm not old enough to remember when Social Security came out. But you know, there was Social Security, there was Adolf Hitler, there was the, you know, killing of the Jews, there was Israel becoming a nation. Can you imagine what the prophetic teachers, they were going crazy, man. And, and they all thought that was the mark of the beast. Now, I don't know, it may play into that because, you know, our Social Security number is used for about everything anymore. But the point I'm trying to make is, if whether it is or it isn't, it conditioned us to accept certain things in order to do business. I mean, we, I mean, you can't get a loan unless you write your Social Security number on it. You know, you can't get a credit card unless you write your Social Security number. You can't get your debit card unless you put your Social Security number. We don't think about this anymore. So you're conditioned to do certain things based on a number that you've been given. Now, if someone walked up to you even now and said, here, here's 666, put this on your forehead, you'd be going, eh, I know who you are. But that's, but that's not exactly how it's going to, it's not going to shake out just like that. We're conditioned. I'll never forget the first time that I had to slide my debit card through the, through the machine at the quick shop to get gas. I remember the whole time I felt guilty. I thought, dear God, am I... Am I working the Antichrist system here? Well, the truth is, I am in the Antichrist system, but, but that's not the mark of the beast, all right? So you're following me. So these signs that I'm giving you are going to be, some of these signs he mentions are going to be in this time period, but we're already seeing the labor pains of these things come to pass. For instance, false prophets in Christ. Now, again, no one, no one comes in, you know, in a toga and sandals and long hair and a beard and kind of gives us the picture of what we imagine Jesus to be and says, I'm Jesus. That's not how it works. I mean, we're, talk, we're talking about things like everything from false religion to the make it up yourself Jesus. I mean, we're living in a time period where you can make it up yourself and, and just say it's Jesus. And so we've got all sorts of false prophets that are out there. On television, some of them have primetime television shows. Some of them have talk shows. False prophets telling us that all dogs go to heaven. Telling us that there's many paths in order to get to God. And again, I'm just telling you that the more we stick to the exclusivity of who Jesus Christ is and what he provides, the more we're going to look like we're the oddballs. Because they're going to look and say, come on, come on, come on. I mean, if you want to be a Christian, that's cool, but come on, all roads lead to heaven. And when you look at him and say, no, they don't. Neither, all lifestyles don't lead to heaven. You, you can't, you understand what I'm saying? We're going to look odder and odder. Odder, not otter, odder. Some of you that are sanguine may be a little odderish, but, but that's not what I'm talking Okay, we're trying to make this funny as well. Wars and rumors of wars. Do you know that more people died in war since 1900 than in all human history up to that point. So it just keeps escalating and escalating and escalating. Of course, we've talked about Iran having nuclear capability. We're talking about Afghanistan being the new Vietnam. I mean, it's, it's not going to end. We're, we're in a war right now. They call it, at least the old administration called it, a war on terrorism. I, you know, however you want to label it, do you understand that it is the most slippery thing we've ever tried to get our fingers around? And it's not going away anytime soon. There's going to be, number three, I've mentioned this before, spiritual power encounters with demons. I believe that that's what the phrase kingdom against kingdom means. Um, there, is going to be, there are going to be power encounters where we're literally going to see demonic power on, on greater display. You say, well, why would that be so important? It's because when the Antichrist comes with lying signs and wonders and it begins to happen, people aren't going to think this is any big deal at all. Why do you think, why do you think Chris Angel does his things and we all scratch our head and we wonder how he does that? And granted, some of it may just be illusion and sleight of hand, but it's grooming us. You go watch the Vampire Diaries. It's grooming you. You're being groomed to accept seances as we watch them on television screens. We're groomed to see these portals between hell and earth as people pop in and, you know, what was it, charmed or whatever it was? I mean, they're popping. I don't even know what these things are. But I'm just telling you, all of it is, is you say, well, are the networks, are the networks really that clever? No, Satan is that clever. Exactly. It's an insidious, deceiving thing that they don't even know at times what they're doing. It just makes money. 
That's all they know. But it grooms us for that. So when the day comes, we see it live. You'll have a whole generation that'll go, cool. And it won't be any big deal. See, Famines. We could, we could talk about this stuff a long time. Famines. Five billion people, I am told, suffer at some level from food shortage. You know, there's a little over six billion people in the earth. And five billion of them suffer at some level from food shortages. Um, there's pestilences. Um, you know, I was chuckling the other day. We had something come through our yard the other day. Chewed off all the leaves of our tree. I've never had that happen before. Chewed off all the leaves of our tree. Said, it's a sign. It's a sign. It was the devil is what it was. One cat, some caterpillar devil is what it was. But there's pestilences. And, and again, earthquakes. Uh, we've been having some of the highest numbers of earthquakes in history. And they're beginning in strange places. And let me just share this with you as well. Um, I don't believe this is what I feel like the Lord said to me. And we'll find out if I heard from the Lord or not. I really don't believe our next challenge in Charleston is going to be a hurricane. I believe it's going to be an earthquake. Don't know when, don't know how. I really believe that, though. I don't, I don't believe we're going to have another Hugo. I could be wrong. I mean, I'm just standing, just sharing with you. But I believe that, that, there's, that this area will shake. God will shake all that can be shaken. And, and we'll find out. That, that was free, by the way. That has nothing to do with any. Um, tribulations. He says that there'll be, there'll be various tribulations. And then he goes on later in Matthew 24 that he'll say there'll be such great tribulation as the world has never seen. And, and so, again, all of this is escalating uh, into this time period. Um, many of you are aware that there is such anti-Christian sentiment in our nation and in the earth. Uh, you know, I've already found this out. We're going to do something about this over the holidays. But from what I understand, the Gap and Banana Republic are refusing to use the term Christmas. So I'm refusing to use the Gap and Banana Republic. Um, because if they don't want to honor my Christ, or if they're going to go out of their way to dishonor him, then I'll just go out of the way to spend my money somewhere else. You do with that what you want. I can't fit in many of the clothes at the Gap <laughs> or Banana Rest. So it ain't going to matter a lot. <laughs> we had a great phone call today. We had a phone call with the pastors. I always have that on Wednesday. And uh, again, we were talking about we were talking about some of the things in the earth. We were talking about our culture and all those areas. And the question came up, you know, what, what do you do? I mean, if you know things are spinning to the end, I mean, how do you do this? Is it, is it worth getting involved, you know, in the culture, in policymaking, politically? What, is it worth even, if, you, if God's already set the thing in motion, is it worth it? Let me tell you something, folks. This is the greatest criticism about uh, pre-tribulation, pre-millennialism, which is this, this viewpoint here is that people look at us and say we give up because we know Jesus is coming. And so we just say, well, he's got to be coming soon. And, you know, every generation has thought he was coming in their generation. Jesus said, occupy until I come. My, your, listen, listen, my obedience is not conditioned upon my view of eschatology. I don't know. Jesus may come tomorrow. He may come next week. I don't know when he's going to come and, and catch me away. But this much I know. I am called to resist the devil. I am called to be salt and light. I am called to disciple nations, to teach them to observe all that he commanded them. That's what we are called to do. So we don't hang that up and just say, Jesus is coming, so there's no sense doing all of this. See, our obedience is still obedience. I understand how we think as human beings. We say, well, why am I putting forth all this energy if he's showing up next week? Well, number one is you don't know he's showing up next week. And furthermore, your obedience isn't conditioned upon your rational thinking of why exert the energy god said do it are you following me and so so we need to be obedient maybe god has sovereignly set the timetable maybe there's nothing we can do to hold back his hand maybe maybe i you know i i still see who was it abraham or lot that negotiated god down to 10 righteous people but maybe we can't stop his hand but that doesn't somehow exempt me from my obedience to occupy, to do business, to be salt, to be light. To be able, if I don't have my numbers right, to hand something off to my children that they can pick up the battle with. Amen.
right now. I'm talking in Europe, in the Middle East, in the Far East. It is almost impossible to demonstrate Christian expression anymore. They will throw you in jail. We have no, we have no clue what they what Christians go through in the Sudan. We have no clue what the house church is like still in China. I mean, we trade with China and they're killing our brothers and sisters over there, folks. We have no idea in, in, in Muslim nations right now, Muslim nations right now, that if you convert or if you're found preaching the gospel, do you know that in Saudi Arabia, our servicemen and women cannot, I believe off the base, I don't know about on the base, but I know off the base, they cannot carry their Bible or show any Christian vestiges as they are in that Muslim nation. Do you understand that? Do you understand that if, if a Muslim converts to Christianity in an Arab nation, that they lose their life? Do you understand that that little girl who ran away from her parents in Ohio from that radical mosque, and she went down to Florida because she looked on a website and found a church that would help her because she converted to Jesus Christ, and she feared for her life to go back because she thought they would kill her? Do you just, do you just think that just popped in her mind all of a sudden? I don't think so. It happens every day in nations all over the world. And a judge didn't think enough of it to help her out but sent her back. And I hope and I pray that God protects her. Because I'm, I'm just telling you, we're living in a nation. If we don't get a hold, if we don't get a hold and run out the Prince of Persia from our nation, we're going to end up being like Europe. And Europe's got a problem right now. They've got so many Muslims that they push that Koran, Sharia stuff. And, and it's beginning to deceive America. And so we've, we've got to continue to, uh, to maintain our Christian vestiges and our Christian, our Christian foundation. And it also says, I've got to hurry, the gospel will be proclaimed in the whole world. So, and obviously that's going on. There are two characteristics Paul warns us about as well. Um, if you can turn over in your Bibles to 2 Timothy 3, real quick. 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, but know this, that in last days, perilous times will come. The word in the Greek literally means savage, fierce. I, I mean, horrendous. And this is how he defines it. He says, men will be lovers of themselves. See if that doesn't sound a little bit like our era. Lovers of money. Let's talk about Enron and Lehman Brothers. and Everybody gets all worked up over socialism. I tell you, we, 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 we've, got, we've got people who are twisting capitalism for their own selfish motives and pleasures. That's not right either. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Can I hear an amen right there? Unthankful. Isn't that interesting, Dot? We were talking about that the other day, about thank you notes, weren't we? Don't see thank you notes like you used to. Unholy, unloving, unforgiving, sign of the end, grudge holding, slanders, without self-control. The self-control button has gone. People just do whatever they do. Brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And this is the interesting verse, verse 5. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people, listen, from such people, what does it say? Now, now listen, what he's saying here is this. He's not saying don't reach out to the world. He's not saying don't reach out to your friends, your neighbors, or family that are lost or seeking. He not, he's not saying that. What he's saying is, is that there's going to be a form of Christianity that's going to be in the earth in the last days that denies the power of God. Now, what does that mean? It means, I think, several things. Number one, it probably means it go, it's going to deny the supernatural aspect of the gospel, which is everything from healing to deliverance. I mean, and we, don't, we don't deliver people anymore. Everything's therapy. Well, and I believe in therapy, and I believe in counsel. But some of us just got a devil. No, you don't counsel a devil out. No, you don't. He's, he's a smart devil. Of all the things he is, he is bright. But I think it means that. I think the other thing about denying the power is the power to transform. I believe a form of Christianity is already on the stage that denies the ability that you can actually come out of darkness and into light. 
that you could actually leave your old life behind and come into a new life. That there was at one time an old Kevin, but there can be a new Kevin that can come on the scene. And there's a power to regenerate you. That's what regeneration means. It means that I've been brought unto life. But what we're hearing these days is that, that, that the only difference between you and the world is that you are forgiven. While that is true, it is only partially true. Yes, you are forgiven. But you weren't forgiven to remain the same. You were forgiven to be transformed into his image. That's, and that's the power of God. That can take me out of my old, wretched, sin-filled, gross life and make me a new creature. Something that's never existed before. But we're looking at people and we're saying to them, it's cool, everyone's a sinner, everybody's got their problems, and it denies the power of God. And our problem is, we've got to, we're going to have to push into some power. Press into the kingdom. But that's a sign of the end. It's a sign of the end. Don't think religion's going away. In fact, when the church is raptured, don't think there won't be church service. Oh, there'll be church service, all right. Some of them will be quite full. First Timothy chapter 4 talks about apostasy. It says in 1 Timothy 4.1, it says, The Spirit expressly says that in latter times... Some will depart from the faith. Now, let me just share this with you. And again, I'm not here to get into the, the you know, I, I do that during consecrate class. But the truth of the matter is, is that you can't depart from something unless you were once in it. Are you following me? Some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And uh, uh, again, he goes into forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods. There's all sorts of things uh, that will be linked to that as well. But there will be an apostasy. Apostasy means a departing, a turning away from the truth. People won't want to hear the truth anymore. That, they'll look at you and say, well, that may be truth to you, but that ain't truth to me. You know, I'm just a, it's truth to this. And, and so that's... But they, they're not, they're, they won't be able to sit for truth. And some truth is really great. How many of you know, I love the truth that says that I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not below. That I'm blessed coming in and going out. That if the enemy comes against me one way, he'll scatter in seven. How many of you know, I like that truth. I like that truth. But we, we're going to have to listen to the truth that talks about our character too and holiness and, 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 our, and our witness to these things. So... That's important as well. I got a rush here. I'm going to give you 12 fulfillments. These things have already happened, which in my estimation um, has positioned us. You know, there was a time that literally you could stand up in church and say, Jesus cannot yet come. You know, before 1948, Jesus really, you, you could stand up with legitimacy and say, you know, he can't come yet because Israel had not reached the place where it was a nation. As, as a matter of fact, people... People didn't even believe that that could even happen because they had been dispersed for how long was it? You know, nearly, what, 1,200, 1,300 years. They'd been dispersed. How in the world, after 1,300 years, you, you would, Israel was just something you read in the Bible. You didn't think of Israel on a map. And is it not funny? This is just like God. It's not funny. I mean, it's irony. Sorry, funny was the wrong word. It's irony. Is it not ironic that the enemy, Satan himself, moved upon a man by the name of Adolf Hitler who gathered up six million Jews and systematically exterminated them. The greatest mass murder of the ages took place during World War II. And is it not ironic that out of what the enemy meant... See, you know what the enemy was trying to do? He was trying to wipe out a race in order that the end could not come. And is it not irony that God moved in the midst of that horrific tragedy and through it used it to galvanize the Jewish people and finally put the fire under the Zionists until they looked at each other and said to themselves, if we don't go back and get our land, one of these days we're not going to be here as a people anymore. And out of that horrific thing, God used it in order to pull his people back to Israel, the nation of Israel, Palestine, 
And there the clock started ticking. Now, I'll tell you what's really cool and relevant about that. And that is whenever you find yourself in an unjust, unfair, horrific situation, just tell yourself this. God can step in the midst of this and turn it around and put me into my destiny. Isn't that cool? Amen. So, so anyway, I don't even know what I was doing with that. But that was cool. All right. Fulfillments. I'm going to go through this real quick. I, g- I gave you the bullet points here. Twelve fulfillments. The Bible says that there would be an existence of a 200 million man army in the East. In, ni- in the 1960s, China actually attained to this. That's when they first got a 200 million man army. We're in the 1960s. The redevelopment of the, of the ancient Roman Empire, which we would know as the European community. You know, the European Union is already in place. I think there are 15 countries in the European Union, and there are about 13 more that are fixing uh, to enter it. Don't hold me to those numbers. Um, But I I believe that the European Union, along with the euro, and all that took place with that, are the beginning birth pangs, or they're the labor pains, of, of the ancient Roman Empire, which will be the center of where the Antichrist springs out of. Number three, Zephaniah said that there would be a return of the Hebrew language to Israel. You know, the Hebrew language was a dead language until 1948. And then the Jews put Hebrew back into daily use. And so they literally speak biblical Hebrew. Not everybody, I'm sure. But on the streets, on the streets of Jerusalem and Tel Aviv and other places, they speak Hebrew. It's a dead language. You know, uh, biblical Greek is a dead language. Uh, and it, it, of course, there's no prophecy that says it would be revived. But Zephaniah said that that pure language would be revived again. And so that's another uh, fulfillment. The rebuilding uh, of the temple. Um, that's an interesting thing. I do believe that um, there will be uh, some indicators here. And I uh, clipped out of an internet article here. Let me, let me read this to make sure I get this right. Um, the rebuilding of the temple. It says, some archaeologists believe that the Temple Mount is actually 340 feet south of the Dome of the Rock site, putting the Dome of the Rock within the court of the Gentiles. This may be the court outside the temple that is left out. However, there are many groups already working on preparations for the new temple. The blueprints are already done, the temple garments have been made, and there have already been attempts to lay the cornerstone of the temple. The only thing standing in the way of the construction of the new temple is Islam's third holiest site, which is called the Dome of the Rock, and government support for such an undertaking. And so here are three scenarios that are potential scenarios for the rebuilding of the temple. Number one, it could be through the persuasion and performing of miracles by the Antichrist and the false prophet as they convince the Islamic world to approve the rebuilding. Number two, it could be the United Nations renegotiating somehow the rebuilding of the temple following a war with the armies from Russia and other Islamic forces. Um, The supernatural destruction, as you will recall, that will come upon the Russian army, Gog and Magog, from the north would cause such an outpouring of of evangelism and zeal for worship that that could be the precipitating event that causes the rebuilding of the temple. Or number three, there are some who think that, that perhaps the site of the temple is located south of the dome and uh, they'll find this out for certain in some form or fashion. And so there would not even be any sort of a, a argument over where that temple might uh, end up being located. So those are possible scenarios as to how that could happen. But that's already hap- It's already the blueprints are in place. It's already coming to pass. Number five, the appearance of the red heifer. You know, you have to have a red heifer. And I, and I, and I have jokes about the red heifer. But, but, but a red heifer is necessary in order to purify the temple. And, and some people thought the red heifer was extinct. But believe it or not, the first red heifer, after what was thought to be an extinction, was born uh, in March of 2002. So there are now red heifers that are available in order to uh, bring about the cleansing. Daniel said there would be an increase of knowledge and travel. Um, do I need to illustrate that as, as to how that has increased? Uh, Zephaniah said that Ethiopian Jews, that Jews would come from Ethiopia again in order to uh, come to the promised land. Uh, Ezekiel talks about the rise of Russia. These are all fulfillments, and we'll get back to some of these events when we get into the seven-year time period. 
the Russian Jews returning to Israel as well. That comes from Jeremiah 23.7. And then number 10, we finally have the technology for the mark of the beast. The technology is available in order for everyone to be somehow ordered so that a world system of buying and selling can take place. You know, they have what they call, I don't know if they call them verichips, but there are already people putting them in their animals, you know. That's happening in their animals. From what I understand, that there have been some, not many, but some parents have put verichips in their children because of, you know, kids get stolen and, and, and you know, you can follow them. Now, you, now, do you understand how maybe we're the ones that are saying, oh, I can't believe they would do that, but maybe these are... These are family members or extended friends and family members of people uh, who have had children s- snatched. What would you do under such fear? I, I, I mean, that's, that's how the enemy works. The enemy works through fear. To look at you and say, your children can be safe. They can't ride their bikes. They can't play outside. They can't go to school. They're, someone's going to snag them. We live in this wicked world. All you have to do is put a little chip under their skin and you'll know where they are in a split instant. You just have to log it into your computer. It, it, to me, it's not, it's not foreign language anymore. It, it is right upon us. In fact, do you know that the Greek word for Mark, Mark of the Beast, the Greek word for Mark is the Greek word, I'm going to speak it in Greek, icon. What do you call that little thing on your computer? Isn't that fascinating? So I, it's, it's through the computerized, the worldwide net, the internet system has connected us. We buy and sell. We, people buy their prescriptions from Canada and India. Why you would do that, I don't know. But they buy them. From all over the place, you can, you can get something from the other side of the world, and it can be FedEx to you in 24 hours. Amazing. So we're set up for all of this. Um, there are plans for a one-world government. I, the reason I don't have any scripture for this is because I just put, put Revelation down. Because the only way this all can happen is if there's a one-world centralized government. You know, people don't understand why borders are an issue. Borders in the Bible are an issue. Borders, do you understand that God gave the Israelites a land and he described that land by the borders? There were certain borders that they could dwell in. There were other borders that they were not to be in. God's very, very uh, particular about borders. The scripture says that, that he looks at nations. Not, not one world. Nations. Every tongue, every tribe, every nation. But the Antichrist comes, and there's this false unity that, that he's trying to promote. And um, again, I'm not blaming, this is not our president that is currently in office. This has been happening for years. So, so it can't all lay at the feet of our current administration. But I can tell you this, that I have heard with my own ears in the last 30 days, the talk of having a world tax, a world currency, Do you know that they're talking seriously about a world currency in order to keep what happened all over the world, this recession, from ever happening again? They'll just get a one-world currency. Once you get a one-world currency, then you can get into a one-world economic system, see? In fact, I heard another official talk about a world court, that there needs to be a world court which disputes between nations or in wars, and everybody can go to the world court. Now, that's why I say... Get the UN out of America. It is nothing but an arm of the enemy. I, well, yeah, well, there's a lot of things, yeah, that are happening already, but anyway. But that's not going to happen. It's going to strengthen and strengthen and strengthen. And then finally, number 12, there's instant communication around the world. Now, let me end with this, and I'm done. I've already mentioned, Jesus said that all of this was the beginning of labor pains. And these are the things we can know. He says, number one, or, or, or this is the analogy from me. Labor is on and off. Is this not right, ladies? With periods of rest. The rest period does not mean it's over. So all through the, let me just say this, that, that when labor pains are starting, you know, don't, don't, don't get all high and mighty. You know, maybe, maybe your political party is in power now and yours is out. Maybe in four years or eight years, yours will get back in and the other one will be out. Don't all of a sudden say to yourself, well, hallelujah, everything's okay now. 
It's not. It's not okay. Just because there seems to be a rest period, it does not mean that there's not more labor coming. And usually the second set of labor pains get stronger. Labor, number two, increases in its intensity the closer you get to the end. So the closer we get to these events, the more intense and frequently we're going to begin to see some of these signs begin to take place. Do you know that right now, I, I saw this on AOL, in Sydney, Australia, they shut down the airport, ferries, they shut down everything in Sydney, Australia because they had a dust storm of such magnitude that they've never had in the, his, in the history keeping that swept across all of Sydney. It turned the place pitch red and they couldn't see but a few feet in front of them. Famines, pestilences, these are all signs. And then number three, something is always released out of the labor. And we know that out of this labor, what gets released will be the son of perdition or the Antichrist. That's what will eventually be released out of all these labor pains. This is what John said. John said, the spirit of the Antichrist is in the world even now. And what happens is just as the Holy Spirit seated Mary with the Christ, the Antichrist spirit is going to seed some woman somewhere and she will birth the Antichrist. And that's what it's all headed to. And we'll talk more about that next time together. I'm going to stop there. I'm sorry I took a little bit longer, but what do you do? All right. Uh, write your questions down and I'll take them next time because uh, there'll be more questions than I can handle. So. Stand with me, will you, please? Are you ready to go? Are you, are you prayed up and you're ready? Now, we don't talk about this to solicit your fear. God hath not given us a spirit of fear. I don't fear this. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That's why Paul said, Paul said, for me to live as Christ and die as gain. If you let me stay, I'll preach the gospel. I'll win people to Jesus. I'm going to resist the devil. I'm going to put Christmas on my house. And I guarantee I'm going to I'm going to do it. And you know what? If you take me out, I get to go to heaven. I win. I win. No matter what, I win. You do too. There's no fear. Everyone say no fear. No fear. No fear. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' mighty name that, Lord, we know that we can't define exactly how all of this is going to shake out. But we know, we know the season is near. We know time is close. We, we know that things are moving in such a way that we can't help but say, Lord, you must, you must be doing something in the earth. And so, Lord, we, we one more time just let our eyes gaze toward eastern skies, imagining the moment when you come and you say to us, come on home. And, Lord, we look forward to that. Your word says that we were to comfort one another with these words. So, Lord, I pray right now that tonight there would not be anxiety or worry but that, Lord, there would be a confidence in you. All this does, Lord, is cause me to be confident in you. And, Lord, I'm grateful that my life is in your hands and that you, you, you have my beginning in mind and you have my end in mind. And it's all about living all out for you. So I pray tonight, Lord, that you would just give us that sense of peace. I pray that, that people would just become zealous, Lord, to share and to witness and to do the things they need to do in order to be kingdom propagators. And, Lord, I bless them. I bless them with safety and bless them with health. I bless them, Lord, with resource. Lord, cause us to be a mystery to the world in order that they might want to know more about you. So, Lord, I thank you for that. And I thank you for what you're doing in the life of this church. You've got some powerful things in the days ahead. And we're anxious to see what all that will entail. But, Lord, we love you. We appreciate you. And we dismiss in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen.